0: Today I'm going to talk about uh, our seventh uh, week uh, the, of eight weeks in the series Us, and uh, how many by saying, uh, or, or you've enjoyed this series, anybody? <laughs> I feel like I'm at the zoo, see where I was on. Okay, we're going to talk on the expectation of good, but I need to turn it and show you what I mean by that, because there's a, people that believe have an expectation of bad. Anybody have an expectation of bad at times? Three of you, we'll see, okay, good. Let me start with a couple of stories from my life because I, I, I dealt with this one in, in my life and it was very um, prevalent. It was deeply embedded in who I was. And let me give you a couple of stories to really explain what I'm talking about. Back in the late 70s, and my parents got season tickets to the Angel Game, and I'm Angels of LA Angels of something or whatever they are now. But And I used to go to the games. And so... Uh, On Saturdays or Sundays, uh, before I was a Christian, you know, I wouldn't go to church or anything, but I'd go there if the game was early. But it would be hot summertime. And when I'd go to the games on those hot Saturday Sundays, I would, um, during the summer, I'd wear flip-flop sandals all the time. But when i go to the games, I would wear tennis shoes. And there was a reason why I would wear tennis shoes to the games. Because this is the way I thought, and this is the way I felt, because of what I experienced growing up, and I expected certain things a certain way. I would go to the games with tennis shoes on, not flip-flops, on a hot day, because I'd get to the games, and I'd begin to look around, begin to scan. And I was gonna pick out the person, the guy who was angry, or the guy that was really loud, or the guy that I could see was already getting a little bit drunk, and he's gonna cause some problems. And in my mind and in my heart, my whole mentality was, that's the guy I'm going to have to fight. And that's the way I thought. I'm not lying. I'm not even exaggerating. So I would wear tennis shoes because I was a brown belt in karate, and I thought that's the guy that's going to receive kicks from these tennis shoes because it is going to go down. So that's what I thought. And now I'm your senior pastor, okay? <laughs> but I had this expectation that something was just going to go wrong and something going to go bad. I used to... Um, I have nightmares. I remember these nightmares I would have because this expectation that things are going to go, go wrong in my life. and uh, first like 10, 11 years of the church, and uh, I'd have a nightmare, and we were at, back at Auburndale meeting there, and in my nightmare, I could actually see the service, though I wasn't there. I just couldn't get to the service, and I'm the preacher and so as I'm watching the, the worship ending and the announcements being given and now it's time for me to stand up and preach and I could see it but I'm far away and I just can't get to that service and I'm watching people leave one at a time two at a time three at a time they're leaving and leaving until no one was there until, and then I finally get there and everybody's gone I just, this whole expectation of just something wrong gonna happen in my life was so embedded. Now, you take that, two weeks ago I talked about, how many remember I talked about rigid control two weeks ago? Anybody remember that one? How many rigid controllers we have here? Now, now nobody. Okay. So, everybody has to have control. That That's no doubt. But the older you get in life, how many realize, you really don't have much control of anything. Things could turn on a dime. You just realize as you get older. But rigid control is when You can have things going, you get overwhelmed, or your dominoes don't fall, things don't happen the way you think they, and you get anxious, and you get anxiety, and it just begins to affect you quickly, very emotionally, anybody know what I'm talking about right there, so, so that connects with this, and you get all this anxiety, because something bad's gonna happen, and you're, and you're looking around, now, I ran into a statement about this expectation of, of bad versus good, that really helped me over 30 years ago. And I, I've never forgot the statement, and I've memorized the statement. And here it is, I'm gonna put it on the screen for you. It goes like this I scan, keywords I scan, I scan the environment for potential catastrophes. I would look around, and I know something's gonna go wrong. Now, those of you in the counseling field, you've probably heard the word catastrophizing, and that's where you actually give a negative spin to anything that's going on, or even if it's just semi-negative, you're going to make it a lot worse in your mind than it really, really is, does anybody know what I'm talking about right there, just raise your hand, you know what I'm talking about, okay, good, so we're going we're gonna to keep going down that road, to so hold that thought, and let's get into the, um, into the, the, the key verses for the series that I'll have you read with me, the only ones I'll have you read, Matthew 11, there's three verses. Here we go all together. Come to me all where where weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Now guys, God wants to give you rest on the inside. God wants to bring peace on the inside. God wants to take away that expectation of bad coming or something's gonna go wrong or my dominoes don't fall or I can't control it, I'm getting over. God wants to take that. He wants rest for you. Now watch. Take my rest. Yoke upon you and learn from me. Now stop right there, because I haven't shared this before. But I'll give you here, here's a free one. Jesus is saying these words, and it is firmly believed that in that day. Now Jesus was don't call him a carpenter. He's better better called an artisan because he didn't just work with wood. He worked with brick also. that's what they would do back then. But when it says take my yoke upon you, a yoke is that wooden piece they'd put to yoke oxen together. It is believed back then that Jesus actually was a maker of yokes besides everything else. So now he's saying, take my yoke upon you. I I create these things too in the physical, but take my spiritual yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. The more you grow in God, you're going to find you're gentler, 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 and you're going to be more humble. Has anybody found that to be true? In your heart. And you will, not maybe, but you will find rest for your, for the inside, the soul, the seat of all your emotions. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. He wants to make it easier. He wants to make it lighter on the inside. So we've been addressing the mess in this entire series. We've been looking at this us concept. Us is any relationship. Coworker, friendship, romantic, marriage, sibling, family, teammate, church group, small group, whatever relationship, guy that cuts you off on the freeway, you now have a relationship. <laughs> but how do you respond? So, and I've said every week, if I fix me, I fix us. So it's a personal responsibility series. So we're going to take this idea, the expectation of something bad going to happen now let's go to an old friend Moses in Exodus chapter 3 in your Bibles if you don't have a Bible or your app on your phone it will be up on the screen we're going to read chapter 3 1 through 11 then chapter 4 verse 1 now let me tell you at this moment in time Moses has already blown it by killing an Egyptian in Egypt he has fled for 40 years he's been in this desert And now God is going to call him again to go back to Egypt and to deliver the Israelites from 430 years of slavery. And he's not going to be so willing 40 years later as he was 40 years earlier. Now read chapter 3, verse 1. Here we go. Now Moses was pastoring the flock of Jethro. Now stop there. If you know anything about Egyptians and you find it in Genesis that for an Egyptian, and Moses grew up as an Egyptian, to be a shepherd was the lowest of the low job. It was loathsome. So God puts him in a position that's going to humble him and prepare him to do what he's got to do. Has God ever broken you before in seasons of life? Anybody know what I'm talking about? If he hasn't, he will. Not to break you to break you, but to break you to make you. Jethro his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, And he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness, meaning the desert, and came to Horeb. Horeb is simply another name for Mount Sinai, where Moses will get the Ten Commandments, the mountain of God. So Moses is now leading flocks through this Midian desert for 40 years. See, he doesn't understand that one day he will lead a flock of 2.5 million people through that same desert. And so God has him learning the terrain in 40 years of desert. See, God never wastes a season of desert or pain in our life, right? You'll always learn, use it later. You just don't realize it now. Verse 2, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. Now, that bush there, Stephen in the New Testament will say it's a thorny bush, And thorns in Genesis 3 are a result of sin. Thorns began to grow. And so it's a picture of fallen humanity, us fallen. And yet God wants to come and live in our lives and be part of our lives. God connecting with humanity, we become the temple of the Holy Spirit as we put our faith in Jesus. Any amens on that one? So, verse 3. So Moses said, I must turn aside now. You know, when God calls, don't wait, just do it, don't hesitate and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up, I got to check out why this thing ain't burning up, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, and God is always looking to see if we'll turn aside and pause our life for him, God called to him, now notice, God does not call him, until Moses stops his life, and turns towards God to give, time to God. Now God says, now I'll talk to him because he's willing to talk to me. God will not speak over the noise and the busyness of our life. God called to him in the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. I like doing it like the Ten Commandments. Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Don't come on, you better watch yourself but now you and I can stand before God in right standing because of the blood of Jesus. What a good deal. He said also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. I'd be afraid too. The Lord said, I have surely seen, as God's speaking out of Moses, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt notice him as a my Moses will tell Pharaoh God says let my people go you belong to God and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters for I am aware of their sufferings God knows what you and I are going through God sees it God even understands it And this is one of the reasons why some of us doubt God. We might be leaning towards skepticism because we think God's not there for me. God's not doing this. The problem is God is God and we are not God and we're not the shot callers. I know that's not the easiest pill to swallow when we're going through it, but God knows what you're going through. So I have come down. Notice God comes down because we couldn't make it up to him. That's called grace. Jesus did the same thing, he came down so I've come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite and the cellulite and the whateverite, but they're all there But notice God says, I'm gonna free you from your past and I'm gonna put you in a greater tomorrow and a greater today. I like that one. Verse nine, now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. God says, I hear your cries in the night and the day and the morning. Furthermore, I have seen, I see it. I see the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, come now. Now come now, Moses, and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. Now, this is where all of a sudden the music stops in our life because we're okay with God, with the problem and God sending someone else, right? But the moment says God says, no, you're gonna volunteer. No, you're going to serve. No, you're gonna do something and you're gonna get off your rear end and do something now, Moses, and go help people. This is where it gets a little bit touchy for people now. But Moses said to God, who am I? And don't we say that, God, I don't have any talents. God says, good, because I'm going to work through your lack of talent. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? Isn't it amazing that when Moses was 40, a young, strong man of 40, he wanted to deliver Israel. 40 years later at age 80, he's less likely and really doesn't want to do anything anymore. You ever notice the older you get, you just want to kick back and relax? Relax. And God says, no, your greatest ministry now will be in the last third of your life if you are willing to kick it in high gear, Moses. Now, Moses begins all of his arguments. And then in chapter 4, verse 1, here's what Moses says. Then Moses said, read the two words. Really. Then Moses said, what Everybody together. Here, here, here. Then Moses said, what if? what if? No, 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 let me finish the rest. <laughs> you just say, what if? What if they will not believe me or listen to what I say? For they may say, the Lord has not appeared to you. In other words, what if, what if, what if, what if? Second guess, second guess. What if this goes wrong? I got to get all my dominoes right. What if, what if? It's just going to go bad. How many struggle sometimes with what if? It's like, that's from Moses, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And we're going to talk about the what if today, this doomsday mentality, the expectation of bad versus good. I'm going to give you some examples and we're going to flip the script. Here we go. Let's pray. God, I just pray this morning, Lord, that this makes some sense to all of us. God, I pray your blessings, Jesus, upon this message. We're just here to help people, Lord. We're just here to help people get out of old thinking, stinking thinking, and get into new thinking. In Jesus' name, we pray, and we all say, Amen. "Turn to your neighbor and say this sounds exactly like you." Then, now I like to put every week. I think I think I've done it every week. Put symptoms up on the screen because they're not to make you feel bad, they're just to make you become aware. There are symptoms that help me to realize, okay, that's dysfunctional, that's not healthy. And this goes into our thinking process. So some, I'll hit and run, and some, I'm gonna camp out, and I'm gonna go to three, two counts, and hit maybe possibly hit a grand slam on some of them. Now, the first symptom is this one, just to make you aware. Little things become big things. I can turn a simple little crisis into a catastrophe. Anybody? I mean, didn't make it's just big now, right? And everybody else around you is going, what is wrong with you? How many of you know you could take that in your us relationships like marriage or dating and you can have a blow up at any given moment or a big argument? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And then pretty soon you don't, you don't even remember what you started on? Anybody know what I mean? Okay, good. How about this one? In my head... I create worst case scenarios. I think my unrealistic thinking is real. How many play the worst case scenario in your head? It's just gonna go down this bad road. I mean, you're you're a great negative planner. Amen. How about this? I have a physical pain. So instead I think the worst. Oh no, I'm gonna die. Everybody tell me about my mother. My mother, she was a great lady, very ambitious lady. Um, I, I, my mom had this thing she would do probably every once a year. She'd get a pain, and she'd say, it's probably going to be my last Christmas, Jimmy. <laughs> the first time she said that to me, I was about five years old. <laughs> you mean I'm like getting presents after age five? Yeah. No, that's not what. But she would do that. She thought, oh, it's going to be bad. Anybody like that? By the way, you get a pain and it's over. Anybody just, you hunting that go online with all the wacko blogs to find out something's wrong with you. How about this one? It's worst case scenario thing. I can sabotage relationships. I know they're going to leave me, so I'm going to leave them before they leave me. Anybody do that one? Anybody ever notice you do that one? Come on, be honest. This would be. Okay. I did that in my late teens and my early 20s. I was a, I was a professional at that one right there. I didn't understand it until my 30s, reflecting and really thinking. I go, that's what I was doing. How about this one? It's been going good. Something bad's going to happen. It's been going good a little bit too long. Anybody know what I'm talking about, Rachel? Come on, me on, I want to know. It's something bad it's going to happen. This has been too nice for a while. Okay, how about this one? My thinking becomes a breeding ground for stressful emotions, eroding my ability to feel good about life or myself. I'll just work myself up in my head, and then I don't feel good about life. I don't feel good about myself. I don't feel good about anything. Anybody know what I'm talking about right there? Okay, good. Not good that you have that problem. How about this? One? Fear of conflict. You think the conversation will blow up on you so you avoid those talks. I had to, you know, I had to tell myself this because I had a tremendous fear. fear of, it, it was bad. I finally used a new word that helped me. I said, okay, it's not a conflict. It's a dialogue. It's just simply a dialogue. No, no, nobody has to agree with you. It's just a dialogue. Now, with that one said, how many of you just you sometimes feel like, feel, yeah. not, I'm in trouble. You ever feel like you're in trouble? Let me rephrase it. You get to work at 8 o'clock in the morning, the boss says, i want to see you in my office at 10, and he walks away. <laughs> Raise your hand, come on. You feel, I'm in trouble, I'm in trouble, right? That's it. And you're a grown-up, aren't you? Aren't you, right? You're a grown-up? Yeah. How about this is. It happened before. It's likely to happen again, so why even try another relationship? Why try anything else? It happened before. How about this one? Doomsday thinking can cause me to be relationship and risk averse. Averse means opposed to it. I'm not trying any more relationships. I'm not taking any risk because it's just gonna go bad. Anybody? Okay. That whole section seems to have a rose zone right there. Okay. Now, God wants to clean things out of our life. Now, let me, I'm gonna come down the floor now, guys, and do that. Um, now, how many of you have got to my age where uh, you're just pretty much tired of doing the major yard work in your yard? That you know at your age, if you wanna not feel bad for a week after the major stuff, you'll hire somebody else to do that. Anybody know what I'm talking Yeah, it's just wisdom, right? My body is killing me right now. Because I did some things that I normally don't do in the yard, and it's killing me. Now, about two months ago, I have this back those of you who went to the baptisms, the men's fellowship at my house my night. You know that back hillside, remember that? How many guys were there? The back hill? Well, every year when it rains, it grows weeds and they're really high. I'm not going up there anymore to get those weeds. So I hired somebody, and they took all the weeds out. I'm not kidding when they, I say there were four big mounds of weeds that they took off my hillside right there. Let me tell you something. That's exactly what God is trying to do in our lives, in this series, the Holy Spirit with progressive sanctification. He wants to take all the weeds out of our life. Any amens on that one? That's weird. So I want to take some weeds out right now, especially this in this message, as it pertains to having a more optimistic outlook versus a doomsday, something bad going to happen, and I'm ready for any negative to happen mentality. So let's go to the point. We're going to go to point one, Steve, point one. Here we go. The first thing in your notes is this. You got to change your perspective. Change your perspective. To expect good, you got to change your perspective. Now, what I mean by that is, remember the statement, I scan the environment for potential catastrophes. Anybody remember that statement? So the key word is I scan. Do we all scan? Say yes. Every one of us scans We're all scanning But it depends how we're scanning Are we looking through positive lenses Or negative lenses Are we looking through catastrophizing lenses Or Christ-like lenses That's the big difference right there Are you following me and so we got to look through Christ-like transform mind lenses so we don't expect bad to happen. Because how many know by now that if you expect bad to happen, you'll have a tendency to make decisions to make the bad happen. Has anyone figured that one out yet? Yeah, you don't want to go and do that. So I have a question for you. David, you know, young man, teenage David, um, you know, comes to the front line, Old Testament story before he's king, and, there, and Goliath is taunting and David's standing there, and all the Israelite soldiers are standing there, and nobody's fighting Goliath. And Goliath says, come on, I'll fight you on one foot. No, he doesn't say it like that. But he's taunting. And here's my question. D- does David and all the Israelite soldiers, do David and all the, do they both, and all the, do they say or think in their minds, It's over Yes or no? Not David? You guys are scared to answer, huh? Because you know I'm setting you up, huh? I got people to bite in first service It was great They both say it's over The Israelite soldiers look across there And say, it's over for us David looks over, Goliath says It's over for him Right? Am I right? It depends what lens you look through. And so your thinking is very important when it comes to getting over that doomsday negative thinking. Put up what Paul says in the New Testament. Paul, who wasn't a Christian, hated Christians, murdered Christians, becomes a Christian, plants churches. Watch what he says about the mind. Finally, brethren, would you read this one with me? It's a really great verse. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is true, honorable whatever is right whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is of good repute if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise dwell on these things does he want us in our mind to dwell on the right stuff that's right not on not on the negative stuff okay that's the first thought now second one is this very simple to see God's potential in all things So, to expect good, I got to see God's potential in everything, in all things. Now, there's a great verse that leads us to that to see God's potential. It's one that we use a lot here, and I'm sure every church uses it a lot. But watch. It says, and we. Start again. And we. No, stop. That's the key to that verse. Do you know? K N O W, Greek word genasco, Spanish word conosco. Do you know intimately? Do you know into me, do you know that God, do you really know, is your mind transforming and transform, that you know that God causes oh, all things to work together yeah. for good? Not the expectation of bad, evil, something gonna go wrong, my diamonds aren't falling, I'm getting overwhelmed, I gotta carry, you know, whatever. For those who love God, to those who are called according to His, God's gonna do good stuff. There's potential. Even in the bad situations, there's potential that God specializes in. Am I right? I should say, is, is that God? So, um, you know, we're going to, um, we're going to plant another church next year. You're new to New Beginnings. Um, we've, um, this church started 27 years ago out of my house. And then about four years ago, we started building a church in Zacatecas, Mexico, down in Mexico, a New Beginnings there. Uh, it's a dangerous place. Um, I don't want to go there because they could kidnap me, find out I'm some American and hold me as ransom and, and not eat my wife's cooking again. So it's like, but it's, it's just a But we have a church there. We just, we just finished it now. We just finally send the last monies in to finish it. And then we have Harupa that we, we took over that facility three years ago and we have it there on Lyman Night F. So we have three, but we're going to plant another one next year. And it's going to be geared... You know Dylan who gave the announcements? He's son. He's going to be the, the church planter. And uh, it's going, we're going to start plant churches geared towards reaching young adults. Because I'm, I'm 63. I, I, young adults, most of going to come to a young looking 63 like myself. <laughs> um, thank you for that whistle, whoever did that. I thought my wife was in the front row, but, no. but she's in third service. But um, so we're going to do it. So Dylan, we're sitting in my office, kind of talking about it. And he asked me this question. He doesn't call me dad here. He calls me PJ. <laughs> this is PJ. Are you scared? I said, no. I'm not one bit scared. And I really am not one bit scared. Now, if I looked at the catastrophizing eyes, I go, like, well, he's 26 years old. Man, it was hell for me to start a church. He doesn't realize what he's heading into. Man, it's so, it's, it's just, it's, oh my gosh, it's so difficult but it's not my lenses. My lenses are potential because him and many of our young adults are going to plant this church. And then about two years after that, Charlie's going to plant a church. We're going to keep doing this. We're going to keep raising them. We're going to keep doing it because I can see young adults out there that just need God. Can anybody see that? They're your kids and they're your grandkids. God is bringing so many people to California I mean look at the population look how much it keeps it gets bigger He's bring, they keep building everywhere they're bringing them to us so we've got to get them so I, I feel really good about it I feel great about it oh, is it going to be a struggle no yeah I mean yeah not no but yeah and so in January next year we're going to take an offering off you're going to hear more and more about it because our Assemblies of God will match what we raise as a church here they'll match the money can you If we can raise seventy five thousand dollars, they'll match seventy five thousand dollars. That's how high they'll go to help plant this church. How many of them? That's a great deal right there. (laughs) Praise the Lord. There's no I I could see the potential, what God can do. Now, let me tell you something. Let me tell you a story. Let me Moses comes to the Red Sea and he's leading over two million people, and they get to the Red Sea and it won't part, Tiffany. They're just standing there. And they can't go anywhere. All of a sudden, all the people, they're standing at the Red Sea right here, looking at it, and they they look back, and they're like, here's the Red Sea, and and they hear noise in the back, and they look back, and they see Larry bringing Pharaoh's chariots and leading them there. Amen. I can can only pick on people I know, okay? Right a knuckle in wrench. yeah. So here they come, and the people start screaming, and they turn to Moses, their leader, and here's what they say. They say, Moses, you brought us out here to die. Really? Now, how many of you are leaders? Let me talk to you just for one minute, okay? You brought us out here to die. How many of our leadership is so fun? Moses, they tell me about it. People are funny. They're just funny because here's the thing with Moses. Has God done 10 miracles in Egypt showing the power of God already? Did God use Moses, the leader, to do those miracles? Yes. Do they have a lot of things that Moses has done in their life that are good? Yes. And then one thing doesn't go right, and what do they say? You brought us here to die. We are turning on you now. If you're an up-and-coming leader or leader, if you can understand that, that will keep you in leadership. If you don't understand that, you will quit. You will quit because people are just fickle but you gotta develop thick skin you gotta keep going cause you'll think to yourself I was there for this 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 and this and then one thing I do bam they're gone and you gotta remember that because you have a mission and you stay on course with your mission and you don't step back and you don't stop but you just keep going cause you know what you're supposed to do in life any amens on that so they stand there at that red sea, and everybody's screaming everybody's scared and the leader can never never get out of you gotta stay calm you can't be like everyone else. You've got to stay calm. And so they're all catastrophizing. We're going to die. They're going to come and... Moses doesn't catastrophize. Moses turns to God and says, God, what do I do? You see they're going to kill me. You see this going on. So in a sense, he gets Christ-like. And God says, Moses, stand back. Be still. And watch what I'm going to do. And just walk forward. Okay, and he walks forward, pew, parts. Now, I ran into this verse. I've read it so many times in my life. But a couple years back, it just was like, whoa. And I want to put it on the screen now. The psalmist says this. He's talking about that day at the Red Sea. He says, your, meaning God, your way was in the sea. He's talking about the Red Sea. And your, meaning God, passed in the mighty waters and your, meaning God, footprints may not be known. Here's what he's saying. At least is the way I read it. Everybody comes to the sea that day and they don't see a path, do they? But that says there was always a path there. There was always a road under the water that God had it there a long time ago. They just couldn't see it through all their catastrophizing and all the negative and it's gonna be bad. And Moses turned to God and God says, it's there, Moses. Have you ever noticed some things can be right in front of you but you just can't see it? Has anybody noticed that? I'm gonna give you an everyday example of that. You married Women, you're, you're gonna go, oh, yeah, uh-huh. You marry your husbands. Has your husband, you know, have you ever noticed that many, not all, but many of them cannot find something in the closet or in the refrigerator or in the pantry. How many wives know what I'm talking about? Now you're awake, huh? I like this message even better now. One of my least favorite, and by the way, now I've told Olivia, that phrase is stricken from your vocabulary, and I told her that, but she doesn't listen. Whenever I can't find something, I'm like, I gotta go ask her where it is, I can't find it, I just, here we go, because she's always gonna tell me, did you look? Oh no, I didn't even open the refrigerator, I walked by and said, it's not in there. Of course I looked. You know, I'm on, you're going to the moon, woman, I mean, Really? some of you honeymooners fans from the 50s and 60s know that one right there the rest of you young people have no clue what that was Okay, but it's like and then she'll come up and so she opens the refrigerator she goes it's right there and you know you feel so stupid don't you you just feel dumb sometimes it's right in front of us and we need somebody else who can see it because we can't see it God can see it God can see it. God can see it. And once we start looking through those eyes, watch the thinking, watch the, the, continue to watch the thinking of the word of God, you're not going to start, you're going to be less and less catastrophized. You'll have much more peace. You're not going to be scanning the environment for something's going to happen, something's going to go wrong. You won't be on edge anymore. Even in the days of terrorism, you won't be on edge. You'll have peace. And you'll feel good. It'll have light, be easy. Stand it with me.